Are you ready to hear from the Lord in the scriptures? Uh, I'm going to start today from Deuteronomy chapter 10 and an opening from Psalm 24 as well. And so I'm just going to read this for you. It says this, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him, and love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. For your own good. Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it belong to the Lord your God. Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as objects of his love, and he chose you, their descendants, above all other nations as is evident today. Therefore, change your hearts and stop being stubborn. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners. For you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and worship him and cling to him. Your oaths must be in his name alone. He alone is your God and the only one who is worthy of your praise. The only one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. And this is Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him for he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean's Depths. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back again. So happy to see you. It is, uh, it is a beautiful day here in Southern California. Just really grateful. For everyone joining us online, you're missing out on what God is doing in his house today. Uh, man, what a gift it is to be together with you. Um, if you don't know me, my name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. I uh, just got a couple quick things before we dig into the message. First, we have an anniversary coming up here at the church um, from one of our own, Gloria and Jerry Stoudemire. It is their anniversary coming up on the 14th of February. Yes? And it's 70 years. <laughs> 70 year anniversary on Valentine's Day. They knew how to do it, right? They doubled up on anniversary and Valentine's Day. Wisdom in that house. But just congratulations to you guys. We love you and we, we, we see your life and your marriage as one to look at and to, and to say, you made it. You made it this long. And, uh, and that gives us hope for the future. So congratulations to you. Uh, next thing, Sue's, card and gift, uh, Sue's Garden gift card drive. I know that a lot of you have already brought some in. Next week is our intention to bring in 100, 100 intervals of $25 from any of the local grocery stores to help support our our Sue's Garden food ministry here at the church. And so just make sure you bring those in for next week. I know that I've heard some really cool stories about how God is working in and through you and how God has given you a passion and like, like taking up side jobs just to be able to help make it um, to, to really bless this, this ministry. So really grateful for you guys in that. Um, the last thing is, and I don't want to make this uh, too long because our attention spans can only go so far, but I just, I just want to address the reality of what's happening in Turkey, uh, Turkey and Syria right now. Um, I think the last number I saw was 24,000 dead because of this earthquake. 33,000 dead. And, you know, I think sometimes we look at, at these moments and you're just like, man, 
how in the world could God ever make something good come from this? And we don't know. Um, what we do know is that God so loves the world and he loves all those that were lost and he loves all those affected by this terrible earthquake. And, and while we don't always know why things happen, we do know what we can do in response and that is just to pray. And so um, I'd just like to pray for them now um, and just briefly and then we're gonna dig into the message, but just bow your heads and, and um, focus your hearts with me for a moment. Jesus, we, we don't know all your plans. We don't understand why these things happen. Um, we don't know why there and why then and why those people. And, but God, we know that you love them and that you're with them and that you want to comfort them. Even now you're saying, come to me and I'll give you rest. And so God, we just ask that you would just comfort those affected. God, help us maybe see how we might partner in bringing peace to that situation. We have no idea what we can do, but God, just give us a burden. Plant a seed in our hearts and minds on how we might be able to come alongside, if any, anything. I don't know. Maybe it's just prayer. It's not just prayer. Maybe it's to pray, God, that you would rebuild like you do and make things beautiful again. So God, we ask that you would just give us active compassion for those affected. God, give us an empathetic heart to be able to care for in any ways we can those affected in this earthquake and and that's it, I guess, for now. God, we, it's sometimes words you don't even know what to say. So you know our hearts, and so just receive this today. And, and in this moment, God, we ask just for a miracle in whatever you want to do, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, in Syria, and in Turkey today. So it's your name that we pray. Amen. Okay. So, January. In January, we started this new extended series as a church called The Good Life, where we've been taking a closer look at really what God says is the best life can be this side of heaven as far as it depends on us. And we started this series talking about the priority God gave to his people for rest, that we would choose to organize our calendar and life around the rhythm of work and rest, like Jesus did, like God did, called Sabbath, where he worked hard, he stopped, he looked back, call it good, and then settled in with his people to enjoy the fruit of his labor. And this was the first step that we talked about towards the good life. From January, arranging your days like Jesus did by choosing to stop and to settle and remember and celebrate as you look back and thank God to find the good life of rest. Well, as we continue today, uh, the good life, uh, not leaving rest behind, but instead building upon it, I'd like to focus our time on, for the next few weeks, on yet another priority God has for his people. And that is, drum roll, everybody on your knees, come on. That's pretty good, that's good. Drum roll, stewardship, yay! I can only imagine how you must feel about this. Like, yes, Pastor David is finally gonna talk about stewardship, what took him so long, but listen. <laughs> but friends, we're talking through stewardship because stewardship, or to steward, is at its core quite literally the reason we exist as human beings in the first place. Seriously, this practice of stewardship, which is defined as, take the look on the screen, this is the middle school level definition, by the way, in case anyone was concerned. 
This definition of the position and duties of a steward or a person who acts as the surrogate of another or others, especially by managing property, financial affairs, and estate. Second definition, the responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. This definition, this textbook definition, is ultimately why God made you for his glory. To be a person who acts on his behalf so the world might know what he is like through your life. And we see it in Genesis chapter 1 starting. It'll be on the screen. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image. There it is. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the ground, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So, verse 27, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the, sky, and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So, friends, God made people in his image to be like him. And do what? Back to that definition. To act as a surrogate. To act as a surrogate of another, especially by managing property, financial affairs, estates, protecting and overseeing something considered worth caring for. This is why God made people, why God made you, not to live for yourself, but to live on God's behalf as you steward or care for or govern, this is Genesis 1:28, govern the good world God made. Pretty cool, huh? And just in case anyone here came to church and you're just like, man, who am I? Why am I alive? Why do I, what's my purpose? Here it is. This is it. God made everything good, and then he made you to help keep it good on his behalf. But here's the thing, and it's essential that we remember this moving forward throughout the month, that even though God made the world good and then created us to help keep it that way, the reality is it's still his world. It's it's still his, it's his creation. And we heard that a moment ago in Psalm 24 and Deuteronomy chapter 10, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him, for he laid the earth's foundations on the sea and built it on the ocean's depths. Now, what does that mean? It means that everything belongs to him. Everything belongs to him. Somebody tell me what's included in everything. I say this a lot. What's not included in everything? Exactly. All of creation belongs to God. Why? Because he made it. And it exists because he said so. From cactus to kangaroos to oceans and rivers and mountains and valleys, planets, solar systems, galaxies, universe, all the systems working together to hold and keep creation sustained, physics, chemistry, the periodic table, accounting, long division, multiplication, gravity, hormones, and even pregnancy, everything, friends, exists because of the Lord and belongs to the Lord. Colossians 1 says it like this. It's on the screen. For through him, Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and holds all creation together. The earth is the Lord's 
and everything in it. He is the Lord. Amen? Amen. He is the Lord, and who are we? We are the stewards. Exciting, right? He is the Lord. We are the stewards. Genesis 1 says we are the governors. We are the ones trusted, trusted to care for the world, to work as his proxy in creation, carrying his image so the world might know what God is like through our lives, through our stewardship. This is the good life that you and I were created for. The good life of stewardship. Easy enough, right? Not really. Come on. Honestly, this priority, this priority, as incredible as it is, has never been easy. It has never been easy. It wasn't even easy for Adam and Eve, who literally walked in the garden, seeing God face to face on the daily. Even then, even they failed to exist in this purpose, in this priority and practice. Why? Because, and this should be obvious, because we as people are so unbelievably gifted at making everything about us. Go back to the garden with me for a second. Adam and Eve, they had everything they needed, right? Everything they needed. Everything about their life was good because God made it that way. But they still wanted more. So what happened? They allowed the creation that they were created to govern, they allowed creation to manipulate them into thinking that being like God wasn't enough. That they should be gods too. And this, friends, is without a doubt the greatest single problem and threat facing the world today and the source of all sin. We are discontent with our assigned identity of being God's stewards out in the world. And so instead we choose to see ourselves as lords. We choose to see ourselves as lords, as the center of our story where we can be our own gods, just like Adam and Eve. But how's that working out for us? Turn on the news, right? Open up a history book. How's it working out for us? Not too well. Living in a world where we all believe we matter most has literally destroyed the creation we were created to protect. As humanity chased its own dreams at any cost throughout history, trusting it would bring happiness and fulfillment and meaning and pleasure, this pursuit has instead led to millennia of death and brokenness and subjugation, slavery, extinction, genocide, poverty, debt, addiction, abuse, and the list could go on and on and on. And we know it because we've all seen it. But we've also all experienced it. We've all experienced it on both sides of the sin, the sin of self-determination and the idol of idolatry. Which is why, with a smile on my face, back to the beginning, it's so important that we understand this purpose and this priority from God of why we're alive. Because in the end, this practice of stewardship, while yes, it involves what we do and how we see things and how we operate in the world, it, it absolutely does. The reality is, though, that stewardship is ultimately a matter of perspective. Of perspective. It's a realignment of our, of our hearts and minds to God's given purpose and our identity. Stewardship is first choosing to see the world that God so loves through the lens of heaven and then allowing what we see to shape our behaviors and influence our intentions. Why? So we might live right. 
so we might find the good life as we govern and care for the world on God's behalf. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be breaking down this realignment and what this realignment of identity and purpose leads to practically with contentment and generosity and simplicity and compassion. But for the rest of our time today, I just wanted to double down. We've had a full day already. I just want to double down on perspective, on correcting our vision for life. Because again, we are also incredible at living as lords instead of stewards, as lords instead of governors. And I was talking with the team earlier, and, and I was thinking, so some of you might be, you might be wondering, like, okay, deep down, what's really the difference between, you know, governors and, and lords? Governors are big time, especially in California. They rule and reign over people, okay? But listen, the difference here between a lord and a governor is that the lord has the power and the authority to set the rules and establish a constitution for life, where it's the governor's job the governor only has the given authority to enforce the Constitution, to enforce the law as a steward of God's power and his command. And that's where I think we get things backwards so often because in our culture today, everything is telling us that we matter most. Everything is telling us that we matter most. Check this out. Even as I was working on, a mess, uh, on the message yesterday, there's a, I think there should be a picture coming up here. Check this out. I was, I was working on my sermon yesterday and this popped up on the TV. If having an SUV wasn't already individualistic enough, and now I have one, now it's the SUV. No more utility here. It's just about you. Just like the garden, this is what creation is trying to convince us is true, right? That you matter most. You can clear that. S-U-V. So chase your dreams. This is what we're told. Chase your dreams. Follow your heart. Find your truth. This is what we're literally being sold by the world in car commercials. But it's a lie. It is a lie. The reality is that God matters most. And we exist within his dream to follow his heart and discover his truth. I'm going to say that again. And I better hear some good amens. God matters most. We exist within his dream to follow his heart and discover his truth. Amen. Because he is the Lord and we are the stewards. Amen. And if you're a Christian, I just need you to let that sink in for a moment. I, I don't assume where everyone's at with their faith today, but if you are a Christian, this is the reality you know occupy, that he is the Lord, Jesus is Lord, the earth is his and everything in it, and we are the stewards. And, and, and this shift in perspective, this countercultural, counterformation shift in perspective has massive implications. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, cool, I can get behind this. Well, let me just tell you what it means. This means that you do not have the ability to decide what's right or real or good. Only God does. This means that you do not have permission to modify what God says is true based on how you feel or what society might say is fair or just. He is the Lord. You are the steward. You are not God. But you were made to be like him. You are not in charge, but you have been charged to represent him. You are not the authority for what is true, but you have been given authority to carry the truth of God out into a world being destroyed by the lies of the enemy. 
So one more time, he is the Lord, we are the stewards, and friends, if you want to experience the greatest possible life this side of heaven, if you want to find the good life in your days, then this must be your perspective for the entirety of it. This, pers this perspective must determine how you choose to see yourself and how you choose to see God and how you choose to see the world around you. It must determine how you choose to engage with creation itself, how you use your time, your focus, your talent, your treasures. It affects how you evaluate success and how you view your things. This perspective must determine how you use your money, what you buy, how you give, what you acquire, and how you use it. This perspective must determine how you treat your neighbors, your enemies, your kids, your friends. It must influence your expectations for what it means to love and be loved. This perspective must determine everything you see and believe and do. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And, and I know that that might feel like, huh, okay, okay, I got this. But listen, this has been the confession of God's people. This has been the confession of the church for thousands of years. And this is what we believe to be true. And if, and if it is, in fact, true that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, quick question, somebody tell me, what, then what belongs to you? Boy, that's weird, isn't it? If the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, then what belongs to you? Nothing. But listen, what, what has been entrusted to you? Everything you have and everything you see. Your career has been entrusted to you. Your family, your education, your investments, your hopes and dreams, your talents, your skills, your minutes and moments, your memories, your hurts, your pains, your milestones. The fruit trees in your backyard have been entrusted to you by the Lord. The gas in your car, the shoes on your feet. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And he created you to be a steward of everything you've been given and everything that you see in every season you'll live so the world might know what he is really like. And this is the good life of stewardship. See, you thought it was gonna be a boring week. <laughs> you heard that drum roll and you were thinking like the good life of everyone gets a Ferrari in the parking lot, but let me just tell you, Stewardship is as essential as a breath. If we fail to understand our perspective, our role, our identity in this, then we fail to live as God intended. This is the good life of stewardship. It's not about you, but it includes you. It reminds me of uh, a moment where I learned this lesson of perspective the hard way. I'm sure we've all learned this lesson of perspective a number of times. But I was in my mid-20s. I was working um, my first real job as a worship director for a, a youth group at a church in Minneapolis. And I jumped into this ministry that needed some serious work. And so I got to it. I came in and I made some pretty sweeping changes to the ministry. And, and listen, everything got better. Objectively, you looked at it from the outside. Everything got better. The music got better. The programs, the teams, the facilities, everything improved. The youth group was growing because I was the guy. Now, what I could do and what I had to offer brought change. And I was feeling pretty good about myself. And so one day, 
One day I went to approach my boss to see how she thought things were going. And again, I already knew how things were going because everything had gotten better. Everything was growing and everything was moving. But as a 20, insecure 20-something, I just wanted to hear it from her too. And so I walked up to her um, and I was like, hey, so Annette, her name is Annette. I was like, Annette, um, how do you think things are going? You know, I'm just ready for it. Just need a little encouragement in my life. And, and she says, um, she pauses for a moment before saying, and she's just like, you know, well, well, David, you know, everything you touch gets better. And I was feeling, yeah, this is good. She said, everything you invest in improves. Wow, thank you, thank you. Whew, you're doing really great work. I'm like, thank you. I, I, thank you for noticing you're doing really great work. But then she said, but I, I think you forget sometimes that it's not your work. That it's God's work. You seem to think that you're responsible for the growth, but David, none of this is about you. It's not about you, but it includes you, and there it is. And you know what? She was, she was dead on. In that moment, a progression of perspective began to unfold in my heart and mind, and it was jarring for a moment. You know where you kind of feel like the wind gets knocked out of you, right? It was jarring and humbling, but I, I need to be real. It was also incredibly freeing when I finally began to see that all the things I was trying to do, all the things I was trying to make or acquire, the applause I wanted to get or the moments I wanted to shine, as I began to see that none of it belonged to me at all. None of it was mine. The church wasn't mine. The kids, the ministry, the music, the building, everything was the Lord's. Everything was the Lord's, and it was just up to me for such a time as that to serve as a steward for what he was already intending to do. And this, this, friends, truly is the good life. This is the good life. Still, as freeing and as powerful as a shift in perspective can be, it's still a shift that we need to acknowledge and that we need to apply. And I think if we're honest, it's a challenge to make this change, to begin to see that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So what can we do? How can we begin to see the world through the lens of heaven and care for all we've been given on God's behalf? I'd like to read our opening scripture one more time from Deuteronomy 10. This is the word of the Lord. It says this, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? And now church, what does the Lord require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you. What does it say? For your own good. This is the good life, okay? For your own good. Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it belong to the Lord, your God. Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as the objects of his love, and he chose you, their descendants, above all other nations, as is evident today. Therefore, change your hearts and stop being stubborn. Doug, I heard you like, laugh about that earlier. It feels right, doesn't it? For the Lord, your God, is the God of gods and Lord of lords. He has no equal. He is the great God and mighty and awesome God who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows the love to foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and worship him and cling to him. Your oaths must be in his name alone. This is the end. He alone is your God. The only one who is worthy of your praise, 
the one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. So, lots of Bible here, but what can we do to help correct our perspective? Two things from verse 12, go back. It says we must fear the Lord and live in such a way that pleases him. Two things to correct our perspective. Fear the Lord and live in a way that pleases him. Let's start with fear the Lord quickly. And I know that you've probably heard this phrase before and some of you are like, man, fear the Lord. What is that all about? I mean, it's in the Bible and so it's true, but I, but I just need to know, it's often misunderstood. Because when we see fear the Lord, I think often it's not, it's not just a command to be scared of God. When we, say, when, we, when we read fear the Lord, it's not a command to be scared of God like he's the antagonist in a horror movie. That's not it at all. Instead, to fear the Lord simply means to acknowledge his power and bow low before his position. To fear the Lord is to believe that the earth is his and everything in it. To fear the Lord is to believe that it's not about me, it's about him. To fear the Lord is to trust that he holds all of creation together, which includes me. It's having an accurate perspective of who God is and ultimately who we are in response. And so how do we do this? How can we fear the Lord? Simple. Just open your eyes. Verse 14, first word. Look. Look. The highest heavens and the earth and everything in it all belong to the Lord your God. Look, it says. Open your eyes to see what belongs to the Lord. And this vision, friends, it should inspire a proper reverence for his position and an appropriate fear and respect for his authority. If you want to shift your perspective, open your eyes. Open your eyes to what God has put in front of you because that's his. The earth is his and everything in it. Now practically, okay, how does this play out? Second part. As we begin to fear the Lord, as we begin to recognize that the earth is his and everything in it, and everything we see belongs to him, as we, as we begin to fear and acknowledge his greatness and our role within his good world, we must choose not to only think different but live different, that we live in a way that pleases him. And we're going to expand on this in the next two weeks the whole live in a way that pleases him, okay? And, and so I'm not, I don't want you to feel like I'm just breezing over this. We're gonna break that down over the next three weeks, but, but just for today, I just need to know that like, we must allow who God is and who God says we are to actually influence what we do. Verse 15 says that even though God reigns supreme over all creation and he chose your ancestors as the object of his love and he chose you, their descendants, above all other nations, he says, therefore, change your hearts and stop being stubborn, Doug. God shows you. He created you to be like him in the world. He gave you the reign and rule on his behalf of all creation. Everything has been entrusted to you to treat on his behalf. Therefore, change your hearts and stop being stubborn. For the Lord your God, verse 17, is the God of gods. And the Lord of lords, he is the great God and mighty and awesome God who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. 
Allow this to shape your understanding of how we engage with the world. He shows no partiality and cannot be bribed, and that is our role as well. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. That's our role too. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. Wow, that's our role too. As stewards of his good world. This is who God is and who God made you to be. So you too must show love to foreigners, for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord and worship him and cling to him. Your oaths, oaths must be in his name alone. And this is how we live in such a way that pleases him. Everything we do is in reply to his goodness. Everything we do is in reply to his character. Everything we do is in reply to his commands as stewards so the world might know God. And, and practically, while I know this is super tough to do, it's actually really simple. It's really simple. It might not be easy, but it's simple. To live in a way that pleases God as stewards, all it takes is doing what God would do. But doing it like he would do it in every given moment. To live in a way that pleases God as stewards, as we were created to be, all it takes is doing what God would do like God would do it in any given moment. This is how we correct our perspective. Simple enough. See what is the Lord's and then engage with it like he would. See what is the Lord's and then engage with it like he would. And this really is the good life that God created us for. So, feeling good? So all that said, over the next few weeks, we're going to break this down in more detail for how this correction of perspective actually plays out in our everyday for how we can all begin to apply proper identity with what we've been given. Because I think sometimes, like, if you're anything like me, you just kind of create, like, categories for life. Where you'd say, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm a, a steward for God in this part of my life, but over here, it's just unrealistic. And so I'm going to just be myself over here, and then I'm going to hop back over here to be stewards with God, right? Anyone ever create a, a compartment in their life that God doesn't exist in? The thing is, God does exist in that compartment. You just don't see it. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So all that said, over the next few weeks, we're going to break this down for how to actually live like God out in the world on his behalf. How we see people and stuff and all these different things through his eyes and in his image. But as we close today, I just wanted to leave you with one challenge. And, and you know how I feel about quarter sheets on your chairs. And so... Everyone pick up a quarter sheet if you see it. Use it as a little fan. I got three more minutes with you before I'm dismissing you. It'll get your kids. Um, there should be a card on your chair, and most of you have them in your hands now, and it just says, everything I see belongs to Jesus. Everything I see belongs to Jesus. And my encouragement to you is to put this wherever you are most often in your life. Put it in your car. Put it in your bathroom. Put it on the TV as you're watching the Super Bowl later. Because you know what? That TV belongs to Jesus. <laughs> and so do both teams, okay? And God so loves both teams. But my real encouragement and my challenge for you is, is to put this wherever you see it most. But also, as everyone here, I imagine, has some type of smartphone, I would just encourage you to take a picture of this and make it the wallpaper on your phone. Here's why. Because on average, we look at our phones 344 times a day. Right? 
We just kind of take it out. Oh, did I feel it vibrate? Oh, oh, no, I didn't have it vibrate. But there it's in my hand. I'm going to look at Facebook again. So on average, 344 times a day, we look at our phones. Now just imagine if you saw this reality 344 times throughout your day. Imagine what that would do to form your, your heart and remind you of this perspective. So that's a challenge. It's real simple today. I'm not going to go and make you do anything crazy. And that's next week. <laughs> but the challenge for today is let's begin to shift our perspective this week to remember that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and everything we see, everything we see belongs to Jesus. Why? Because he is the Lord and we are the stewards. Let us follow him. Amen? So I want to pray for you as we go. Right on time. Man, I am on it today. This is the Lord's service. I'm offering it back to him. Um, but I just want to pray for you that this would be an encouragement to you, a formational reminder for you throughout the week that you do not need to hold on to the pressures of this life because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You do not need to hold on to the success you thought would define you. You do not need to hold on to the hurt and the pain that, that you have experienced that is holding you back from living the good life. You do not need to idolize your stuff or chase after goals that are inconsistent with the gospel. You do not need to continue to pursue money and promotion after promotion as a means of defining you as a human being because God already tells you who you are. You are a steward on his behalf and the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything you see belongs to him. And so let us engage with what we see on his behalf. And so I just want to pray for you and encouragement and then we're going to hit the road. Let's go. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus, we are just so grateful that you've entrusted us with such amazing responsibility. We're also so grateful, God, that you have taken away the stress and the pressure of having to perform and produce and acquire and continue to climb this ladder of success, God, that you are the success. It's your world, and we're just living in it. And so, God, help us for such a time as this. Help us begin to recognize this perspective, this shift of perspective that, the, that the everything is yours. Everything we see is yours. And it's up to us to carry that image forward into the world. So God, help us throughout the week begin to see people through a new lens, to see our projects through a new lens, to see our property through a new lens. God, help us begin to remember that, that you are with us always and you have given us a, such a greater inheritance than anything we could acquire in the world. And that is your presence and the eternity in heaven. And so, God, as we go today, I just want to, I just ask that you would lay heavy on our hearts, God, that we'd be able to see, maybe for the first time, that life isn't really all about us and the things that we care about and the things that we love. But, God, it's really about what you love. It's about what you care about, which is us. So, God, give us courage to go and carry your image where it needs most. God, help us see as we go that everything that we experience, everything we've received everything that we have belongs to you. Because you are the Lord and we are the stewards. The earth is yours and everything in it. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this reminder from the scriptures. God, I'm just looking forward to all the ways that you'll continue to shape us and change us as we go on forward. 
So, God, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your name. Amen. Amen. Hope you have an amazing Sunday. Remember, everything you see is his. Amen? Have a great Sunday.